everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford. And I'm Peter Glassford. Uh, So, first we'll start with what we've been up to this week. Uh, What I've been up to has been hiding in the woods to take pictures during uh, one of Peter's races, and that was this past weekend. Yeah, we raced at Albion Hills, which is just north of the big city of Toronto. Um, It's a really fast course. I think we actually set the new uh, highest average speed in an O-Cup that I can ever remember, and I do keep my eye on that. So I think combination of open wide course and, you know, the level in Ontario is just still increasing. So I narrowly missed the win, unfortunately, but it was a really fast day and felt good. And yeah, so that was exciting. And then we followed that up Monday with a big long walk dropping stuff off dropping the car off at the mechanics and then walked over to the pool and I got in some laps while Molly did battle with an overcrowded pool <laughs> little little bit of uh, elbows out swimming with a woman who refused to get out of the way in a five person in a lane situation where she just needed to do backstroke every other uh, every other lap so that was I guess a good practice for triathlons because it spent a lot of the time kind of dodging around people and surging and that kind of stuff. So ultimately, I think it was an interesting experience because part of going to a pool or any new sport is, you know, learning how things work. Right. So I was sort of like, huh, there's a lot of people. That's going to be weird. Right. Because like I'm, you know, I turn a little bit here and there and like I'm not great at, you know, holding my line, so to speak. But then, you know, they start swimming in a circle. So instead of just sort of flip turning or grabbing the wall and turning around, you actually have to sort of go from the right side of the pool to the left side and then swim back on the other side. So you're doing circles, so circle swimming. Speak for yourself. My my lane apparently was just no holds barred. So they, they were doing sort of all crazy lines and not doing the circle swimming. But then you also run into issues where Molly's quite fast and the people who had designated themselves as fast in that lane weren't weren't fast enough so it was just interesting seeing the dynamics and how that works in the organized chaos which is any sport there's always going to be how you overtake people or you know how you deal with an overcrowded trail or run or you know pilates class or whatever so for me it was a really interesting day just seeing how the dynamics of that pool worked out and, and then having to deal with a little more you know paying attention while swimming and stuff yeah, for me it was uh, a little bit grumpy because swimming is usually kind of my, my zen meditative state and this is just kind of angry, but I definitely did a lot more sprinting in the pool than I ever, ever, ever do. So that was good for me, I suppose. Hmm. And I think you're you're getting stronger at swimming. You made it across the pool five times before stopping this time. five lengths in a row. I was quite winded, but uh, yeah, I'm getting more of the hang of where the arms go and trying I think the hardest part is still just coordinating feet sort of flicking away while the arms are doing sort of a different tempo Mm -hmm. and then also just making sure both arms are sort of entering in a coordinated and you know somewhat powerful fashion so that I'm you know moving and staying balanced and stuff but yeah yeah it's been interesting yeah well on the note of swimming uh this week's guest Glenn Hartwick actually has probably the most inspirational story out of anyone we've talked to so far. Uh, So Glenn was actually on the cover of Runner's World for their body issue a couple years ago. Uh, I actually remember the issue and reading it. Um, So anyway, two years ago, Glenn was out riding in my home state of New Jersey when he got hit by a car. And unfortunately, that accident left him paralyzed from chest down 
and you know, for for most people, you would assume that would be sort of the end of their athletic career. But Glenn actually, you know, not only recovered from that, but has come back and, you know, really come into his own as a para athlete this year. Yeah, it was really interesting hearing about sort of the sport of para triathlon and you know different ways that people are participating in marathons. So. Glenn came right back, you know, quite quickly and is super motivated, you know, in these sort of new challenges. You know, he's been out, he's uh, done a couple marathons now, and he's sort of progressing through that. Um, Yeah, with a hand cycle. Hand cycle. And then I guess, you know, he tells us how that works, you know, how they do the running portion of the the triathlon is sort of an interesting twist on the, the sport. So, yeah. And I think what's crazy is... You know, we're we're talking about learning how to swim, but he's had to learn how to re-swim with just his upper body, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so a little bit of flotation help. But honestly, when I when I think about the coordination and stuff that goes into swimming, on the best of days, I can't even imagine trying to relearn something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think very inspirational story for anyone who's even dealing with a short-term injury that you know, there's always a way to be moving. And you know, I think Glenn gets right to the heart of the you know, consummate athlete idea where, you know, you're able to be out there adventuring no matter what, you know, is, is coming up, you know, and what's on your plate. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, sit back, enjoy, and hopefully you will be just as inspired and psyched on Glenn Star as we were. Uh, thanks for tuning in. So I guess, first of all, Glenn, hi, welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We're so stoked you're here. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So I guess the first question we, we always ask people is just how how do you describe yourself to people when you first meet them? How do I describe myself? Well, you know, I, I guess, you know, as as an athlete, you know, um, you know, I'm someone that's just an endurance junkie, someone that's always enjoyed just kind of pushing myself, pushing my limits, setting goals and you know, working with people in the great, you know, multi-sport community that we have to, you know, work together and help each other kind of achieve those goals. But, you know, I'm a competitive person, you know, both um, professionally and personally and, you know, athletically. And it's just, you know, something that's kind of driven me for a long time from, you know, I guess playing team sports growing up from baseball, basketball and track and soccer and you name it um, to, you know, now an individual sport. Um, of you know triathlons and running races and cycling events, um, it's just kind of been that competitiveness and just kind of always kind of just pushing yourself and kind of trying for you know the next level and improving times and you know just kind of moving along and seeing what else is out there. Yeah, for sure. So you started in team sports, but what made you shift over to endurance? And especially, I mean, you were pretty heavy into long course and marathon versus you know short course and like five Ks. Yeah, no, I, I was. So um, I had been out of college for a couple years, I guess, probably two or three. And then some folks that I had worked with had mentioned they'd done the New York City Marathon. So, you know, I grew up in Texas. So, of course, baseball, football, big sports, you know, big team sports. And I always enjoyed those. And when I moved to New Jersey, one of the first things I did was I joined an adult baseball league. So, you know, in the evenings, in the summer, I was playing in an adult baseball league. So, you know, me being someone that's always been kind of, you know, fast paced, I always wanted to be in the center of the action, you know, so, you know, when you're playing baseball, it's like, if you're not pitching or catching, there's not a whole lot going on. So I, I was a catcher when, you know, growing up because I just like to always have something going on, very cerebral, always, you know, wanted to be in the action. So mm-hmm. 
you know, I had been, I had been out of college for a couple of years and not that I was getting out of shape or overweight, you know, or overweight by any stretch, but, uh, I needed, I needed a new goal. I needed something to kind of keep me occupied. So one of the things that I'd always wanted to do was run a marathon and it was one of those bucket list items. So back in 2006, I, uh, registered for the New York city marathon and it's a big lottery. It's, there's 40,000 people that do it. And, you know, unless you have an automatic qualifying time or, you know, unless you, you know, have done this nine plus one, you know, to get in with, you know, you don't have, you know, a pretty good shot anyway. So I got selected for the marathon and I got a notification about May that year that, Hey, congratulations, you were selected for the marathon. And then at that point I was like, uh oh, what did I uh, exactly get myself <laughs> into? <laughs> you know, but you know, at that time I said, you know, I I, I, I was pretty active in high, in high school, but that was a kind of a way a while ago. So I said, you know, what, let me go and kind of test my fitness, and let me go do a five k this weekend. So I went out and did it, and did it in a little under twenty minutes. So I said, you know what, that's not too bad. At least we, at least we're not starting from from ground zero. So, um, you know, that was kind of my transformation. And then, you know, the, you know, I ran, you know, I Googled, if you will, um, kind of a basic, you know, running calendar um, training plan um, mm-hmm. for, for a fall marathon. So I kind of followed that very liberally. I mean, I should have done a lot more than I did longer runs. I definitely should have done. But I figured, oh, I'm an athlete. I'll be fine. So here comes November, the rolls around. And, you know, and it was it was an experience like no other. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life, yet it was one of the hardest things I'd ever done. Um, but I crossed the finish line in four hours and two minutes in my first race. And I thought, never again, check it off the bucket list. <laughs> this was great. And as you know, um, you know, that wasn't the last. So um, it was something that just, you know, it just, I loved it. And then, you know, when the next year's registration came along, I said, I got to do it again. And that was just the beginning of me being hooked and just me, you know, getting hooked even more on endurance sports, multi-sport and just kind of everything. Yeah. And I mean, so that ended up leading to where, you know, some people might know you from your runner's world cover. So how did that come about? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, pretty cool story back in 2012. So up until that point, I mean, I had done over, Oh man, maybe 125 different, you know, running races, triathlons, from a 5k up, up to Ironman. And, you know, so Runner's World had, had a casting for the, a body issue that they were doing. And this was supposed to be like, um, like kind of a eight or 10 page spread of different, just kind of real runners, um, runners bodies, that kind of thing. So I submitted for, the, the, the casting and then they called me back and said hey congratulations we want you to shoot for for the article so nice um, very excited i've never really done anything like this before so um it was i remember exactly it was just weird that i remember this but september 22nd i go into new york city and you know they have the the white page behind you you know kind of doing the photo shoot and i'm like this is kind of cool um so you know i shot you know by myself and then i shot with, with one of the ladies and then you know with a group of ladies um and then I guess fast forward about a month and they said, Oh, congratulations. You made the article. I'm like, ah, that, that's wonderful. And then they called me back, I guess about a week later and said, Oh, you've made the kind of the opening of the article. Like we're going to do the intro of the, of the story about runner's bodies and what you like, what you don't like about your, your legs, or your knees, or your feet, that kind of stuff. And then I guess a week before the, the magazine was to come out, and this was the December issue. They called and said, congratulations. You made the cover. 
Um, nice. So nothing I had ever expected, and you know, it's completely blown away. Kind of one of those once in a lifetime things. But um, you know, very excited to uh, you know from the folks over Runners World, and uh, you know, extremely grateful for for that that opportunity. That's super cool. And I have to admit the body issue is one of my favorite issues pretty much every year. It's like the one that I will buy from the newsstand without fail. I just find it so intriguing. And so how did you, how did you make, get that connection? Like, how did you get into the magazine? Like, is that like your, your body was that well known? Like, I, I, I guess I guess it was. I don't know. Maybe before or after. You know, I was uh, I was. I got to be honest. I was a little, little nervous. So I have a, a day job, and you know, I'm, I'm an accountant and uh, accountant in finance. But um, then I was a little worried at work. I was like, man, so I'm shirtless. I'm yeah. Now you're like the hot so, topless guy on the cover, of and not magazine. just the cover of the magazine. Like there's video, and we'll link to it and stuff. Like every interview is you without your shirt on, <laughs> which I it love. Is. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, all right. I have to go back to your first marathon. First of all, you said you just found a training plan offline. So what did it look like? What was your longest run before the marathon? Like dive right in. Like how long was the progression? Like how long did you have? Because like part of our, the podcast here, like we certainly want to get into your story and stuff. But part of what we're trying to tease out is, you know, you were first timer coming from, you know, hunching over as a catcher, playing baseball right. to running a marathon. So like, what did that you know, was it three months and, you know, sort of what general, you know, what generally did that plan look like? Yeah. So that was, you know, I guess May, June. And then again, I should have, I should have followed the plan a little bit more closely. <laughs> um, you know, I got, I got to be honest, but the plan was great. Um, but no, what I, one of the unique things that I've done is, you know, along with being able to kind of gauge and, and see, you know, the, the sport that, that we do, we're so fortunate to, you know, be able to do something where you, what you get, you get out what you put in. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I've, I've tracked every single mile. I have an Excel, you know, go back to my finance background. I have an, ex, uh, you know, I have an Excel schedule of back in 2006 from the very first run I did all the way up to even right now what I'm doing now. So, you know, I can, I can exact, I can see, right, the direct correlation between my improvement in times and the amount of effort that I'm putting in. So that's, that's pretty cool um, and very unique to our sport. Um, unlike a lot of things in life, being able to get that instant feedback. But, you know, I think my longest run was about 18 miles. Um, and you know, I ran probably three days, sometimes four days a week, but I definitely, you know, would have liked to have picked it up a little bit more, but again, this is coming from, you know, from being a catcher and not having, you know, a solid foundation and not having, you know, had made running, you know, a, uh, um, an integral part or, or a consistent part of my, of my life, you know, for the last, you know, I don't know, four or five years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I definitely, you know, took it easy and I definitely, you know, wasn't, I wasn't hooked yet because, like, I, I didn't have that big event. I didn't have that New York City Marathon experience to say, oh, my God, this is this is it. This is why people do this kind of crazy stuff. Because yeah. um, up until that point, it was just, yeah, I was going to go out running. I'm going to go run five miles and then ten miles and then kind of build up from there. But it was just kind of running around the neighborhood, just kind of by myself. And then, you know, down the road, you start factoring in running groups and training partners. And then that's kind of where things take off. But it was all kind of by myself at first so you know it was it was just kind of really localized but just didn't really recognize my full potential just in that first year yeah did you find actually that down the road working with training partners and finding groups helped you get better with training 
You know, it, it did. You know, up until you know, I started. You know, down, eventually I had you know coached and that kind of stuff. But you know, there's such a social aspect of running um, mm-hmm. that, that 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 a lot of people enjoy, and it helps motivate a lot of people to say, you know, hey, we're going running at you know six o'clock in the morning. We're meeting at the track, or we're going on our long run on Saturday at three o'clock with a group of people. You got to be there, right? Um, so that definitely helps. It helps push people to kind of stick to schedules. But, um, you know, I, I think for me, you know, in, in multi-sport is that, you know, I, I wasn't a runner in high school. I wasn't a runner in college. I wasn't a swimmer in high school or college. And then ultimately into my, you know, triathlon days, the good part about training with other people. And then in the area that I'm at, New York City area, um, there's so many great athletes. And mm-hmm. the cool thing about it is I was always training with people that were better and faster than me. And so it always pushed me to kind of my potential. So I was always working extra hard, you know, on the track or on long runs or in the pool and swimming to kind of keep up with people that were much better than me. And inherently that made me a better athlete. Yeah. It's funny. We actually talked to uh, another guy on the podcast, Dakota Gale, who said almost the same thing. Like when he's trying to learn or get better at something, he doesn't try to find groups of beginners. He tries to find groups of people that are already doing much better than him. So he like has to keep up. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, to choice, keep, right? yeah, and then also like those people hopefully are nice and will tell you, you know, you're you got the wrong shoes or, you know, you should, you know, not wear cotton or something like this, right? Like you know, give you tips along oh, yeah. the way to sort of accelerate that. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean yeah, these people have been doing this, you know, before me and you know, it's uh, it's good to have that network of individuals to kind of lean off of. But you know, don't be you know, too annoying or you're asking too many questions, <laughs> but uh you know, people are great. I mean, that's what's great about the sport is people are, are just are forthcoming and want to share all kinds of knowledge. And uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's something that gets missed about endurance sport a lot of the time, though, because it's like an individually timed sport. People tend to kind of forget that, like, no, this is how you make friends and develop these awesome, long lasting friendships and find rad people to train with and stuff. No, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. I mean, there's been you know, every single person I've ever trained with or raced with and, you know, or raced against, you know, it's, you know, we're all wishing the best for each other. And, you know, yeah, we're competitive, but, you know, when the, when the gun goes off, but, but, you know, we, we want everybody to succeed. And that's, that's the pretty cool thing about it. Totally. Um, so, all right, jumping forward. Um, do you want to give us kind of like the, the quick version of how you got injured and, you know, what that time in your life looked like? Yeah, so, you know, after, I guess after the, where do we go, 2012, so after the um, Runner's World, you know, I, I'd been in multiple triathlons, Ironmans, and, you know, I just finished Ironman Texas in May 2014, Oof. and I was getting ready for Ironman Canada um, in July 2014, a race that I had done out in Whistler the year before, mm-hmm. and I was on a training ride just south of the George Washington Bridge. I was headed south. It was uh, a Thursday morning, um, probably about 6.15 in the morning, and I'd already done about that's almost 40 miles, Okay. and I'm headed south, and a car makes an illegal u So on my bike, a car makes an illegal U-turn right into me, uh. um, and from there, I was ended up being paralyzed from the chest down. And I had nine broken ribs, broken jaw, broken, you know, scapula. Um, I had um, two collapsed lungs and I ended up having blood clots in my legs. And so I was in the hospital for 30 days. And then I went to an outpatient rehab facility for spinal cord injuries for two months thereafter. Um, And then just outpatient, you know, therapy after that. But um, yeah, so, you know, 
T6 um, paralyzed, paralyzed from uh, kind of the chest down. Oh my gosh, I I can't even imagine. And that's such a popular route ridden by cyclists, that area around the George Washington. It just seems so crazy no, to is. me. No, it is. I mean, it's a route that I've done hundreds of times before. I mean, it's our local triathlon groups ride from Jersey City and Hoboken, heads north, and, um, you know, it's just part of the regular commute. And, you know, all it takes is a split second and, you know, one person not to be paying attention. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's tough. And I mean, you know, there's all too many times we hear, you know, cyclists and accidents and injuries and yep. drivers not paying attention or texting or, you know, freak accidents or whatever it may be. But, um, yeah, all it takes is, is a split second um, for something like that to happen. Yeah. So once you got to the rehab outpatient facility, what were you thinking? Were you already starting to think about how you were going to be able to compete again or do anything like that? Yeah. So, you know, it took a while for, I guess, me to understand the extent of my injury of the paralysis because no one really told me because they didn't want me to kind of give up hope. They wanted me to make sure I was, you know, doing all that I could do to kind of keep fighting but meanwhile, I think everybody already knew. They mm-hmm. just wanted to tell me. Um, so I kind of slowly and surely, you know, kind of figured it out. But I, I came to the realization really quickly that, um, okay, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, we, have to pick, we have to pick ourselves up and um, kind of figure out what's next. And, you know, and for me, and part of it was um, I knew that, you know, so I was losing a lot of weight. So, you know, my, my ribs and everything else, I mean, I was at I was at racing rate. I just finished Ironman Texas at, at like 165 pounds, and I had lost um, almost like 30 pounds. Oof. Um, you know, because my mouth was wired shut for a month, so I wasn't eating, and I just wasn't. You know, my metabolism was still going, but just it was. So it was not a good a good time. But you know, fortunately, again with the multi sport community, you know, I had so many friends and the sport just come visit me and call me and write. And, you know, it was. Uh, it really kind of was inherently motivating, but you know I'm a competitive, competitive person, and mm-hmm. um, you know I, I I was looking online for different organizations that supported athletes, like you know now myself as a paralyzed athlete, so I, I came across the Challenge Athletes Foundation. So this organization specializes in bringing people with with physical disabilities back into the world of sports. It could be through like a hand cycle in my case that I got first, or it could be someone with like a prosthetic leg. Um, so looked into the organization, said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to get a hand cycle, and I'm going to do the New York City Marathon next year. So I filled out an application um, for, for hand cycle, and I said, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. This is kind of my background and my history, and, and when 2015 rolls around, I'm going to do the New York City Marathon um, kind of year and year, less than a year and a half from my accident, and then I did a, picked a couple of the races that I was going to do as well. Um, so sure enough, they got my application and said, you know, you've been awarded a hand cycle. So that spring, I think like in January, I got the hand cycle. So I had 11 months to get ready for it again. So here I am getting ready for another New York City marathon and trying to figure out a training plan. So I, <laughs> I did Google at this time. But, um, you know, so there was no hand cycle for dummies. Kind of training, but I, I know. I knew, I, I kind of knew what I needed to do. I mean, it was the same type of bike mechanics. So, um, but part of the problem is, right, so I'm still very weak and I'm not very strong. Um, and, you know, I can't just easily just get on the bike like I used to. You know, it takes help from you know, mm-hmm. family and friends to help. You know, not, not a bunch, but it just takes an extra person to help me get on and off. Um, so anyway, so, you know, I, I 
do a few workouts up into up until April, and actually on April the April the twelfth, um, ten months to the day of my accident, I did the Rutgers half marathon in the hand cycle, which is pretty cool. So those folks have been very supportive for me through the years, and um, it was uh, it was great to be able to get back and do that and kind of test my fitness. So that went well, mm-hmm. and then over the summer, maybe like July on, I really became focused and started working out again three to four days a week. And I started feeling stronger and, you know, and because I was at such like a, like brown zero again, you know, in my training, um, and kind of in my strength overall, you know, being able to kind of roll around in my manual wheelchair every day, that made me stronger. And then the hand cycle made me stronger, both for the race coming up mm-hmm. and also just in life in general. Right. So all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm getting healthier, I'm putting weight back on. So it just, it really helped me, you know, in so many ways being able to kind of come back and, and get ready for that next step, which was the New York Marathon in November of 2015. Nice. So going from, from running it to the hand cycle, what is different about the training? Like, do you do intervals with the hand cycle? I am very unsure of how exactly they, they work. Did you add strength? Did you add yeah. flexibility? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So no, it's, it's actually a little bit of all the above. Um, so the hand cycle is a lot, um, you know, it's mixed between, you know, like a bicycle and whatever else, but it, it's using, it has gears and you're using your arms. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I started working with my old coach again. So, um, we do, we do work sets that include intervals and we have some days where it's a kind of a long run where it's just kind of like you're on there for two hours or three hours, just, just easy, just kind of go into town. Um, you know, but it was, a, it was a little bit of everything. And, you know, the pretty cool thing is it just the competitiveness, the enjoyment of pushing myself and training came right back. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I love every second of it. I love the process. Um, you know, it's just, it's just so much fun. It's just the tough part is you now it's all indoors for me for the most part. I try to stay inside aside from my, uh, my races. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, it, it, it's good. It's all localized, all in the trainer and um, it, it works out really, really well. What's the trainer like for the hand cycle? Like, is it an actual separate, like it's more like an exercise bike, like the actual resistance is built into a unit or do you use the same bike indoors? No, I, I use the same bike indoors. It's just, uh, it's no different than a, a, a cycling trainer for your bike. Um, so my bike, my front wheel goes on to the, to the trainer and, you know, we obviously can adjust the resistance there, but yeah, no, I can change my gears and okay. adjust the resistance. So you're essentially uh, just, on the bike. you're just putting your front wheel. So you'd be staring at the trainer sort of rather than being facing away from it. Correct. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Interesting. Oh, okay. Um, do you, so is there any sort of strength training then? I mean, are you still in physio? No, I, I, I didn't cause I've been, you know, I, with all the, um, of the PT, I started going back to work, you know, one day a week, two days a week, and then I'm back full time. So it does make it a little tough, but I, I do do, I have a lot of in-home routines that I, that I take care of. Um, I have like a, a standing frame. So it, it, the picture, it just, it's a, I sit in it and it has hydraulics and it kind of stands me up to where, you know, I'm able to, um, you know, my work on my bone density and just kind of put it, push everything through and stand on my feet, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I do, I do some minor strength training, but a lot of it's kind of flexibility and just kind of, you know, yoga ish type stuff, a lot of stretching just to make sure that, you know, there's no kind of overuse injuries. Cause you know, if, if I overuse or have an issue with, with an elbow or a shoulder or an arm, not only does is hand cycling and, and now my race chair going to be an issue, but um, my getting around every day is going to be an issue. So I got to, I have to play it, play it safe and, and be smart about my training. 
Yeah, well, and work too, right? Like as an accountant, you have to be worried about carpal tunnel. Yeah, absolutely. So which is more exhausting when you think about it, running running the marathon or hand cycling? Because I feel like I'm just trying to imagine doing the hand cycling for three hours, and I feel like I would just collapse. Yeah. No, you know what? You, you build up for it, and, and, and everything does get easier. So um, my time last year in the New York City Marathon was an hour and 38 minutes. Okay. Um, so I was going – Pretty quick. Now, this year, in this year's New York City Marathon, I'll be doing it in, the, in, in a racing chair. So it's a little different than the hand cycle, which is kind of a reclined position, and it's got gears, and it's both of my arms moving together. Um, my racing chair is a lot like my regular everyday wheelchair, but it's got a, a wheel out front, and that's going to be just propelled by me pushing on the, um, the wheels on the sides. So um, that'll take a little bit longer for me, but yeah, no, it's uh, running a marathon is, is definitely, I got to say, harder than uh, doing it, you know, how I'm doing it, but not to take anything away from, from what I'm doing by any yeah. stretch, but um, it's, uh, it's still a challenge, but uh, running a marathon is, uh, was, is still uh, quite a quite an impressive feat for everybody to do. Uh, for the triathlon, so then... Swim, bike, run. Um, swim, is, swim is just a challenge now because I'm just using, you know, only my arms, but... You know, the bike is in the hand cycle, and the race portion is in the race chair. Okay. Um, and yeah, so that's how that's how I would uh, how that works. So I've done a, I've done a couple of triathlons, and um, I love them just like I loved them before. They're they're a lot of fun and and, and a blast. But uh, it requires the whole team to help me out to you know do those these days. Yeah. How was relearning swimming like that? It was tough because, you know, I was obviously, you know, swimming was, I got to be honest, the, the least favorite of the three, mm-hmm. um, you know, as, as a triathlete. And, um, you know, part of the problem now is it's such a production, right? So I got to get the lift and got to get in the pool. And, you know, it's my, you know, my legs sink and they, they drag. And, you know, so I'm not very efficient in the pool and not very streamlined. So, you know, the drag creates its own challenges. And then, every 25 you know yards you're turning around so i can't push off with my legs like you know everybody else does so oh, geez. it's just it, it, yeah it take, takes a little while but you know it's 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 not bad i mean you know when i'm out when i'm out swimming you know it's you know i'm kind of i'm, I'm floating in the water so it's, it's feeling good and it's kind of liberating but um it, you know after a while when i'm swimming laps trying to get ready for my mile and a quarter swim and my half iron man um you know that that becomes quite tedious but um you know but i'm just i'm just thankful and just glad to be out and being active and you know I'm, I'm doing it with you know folks i've trained with before so that's pretty cool that's awesome wow. peter is currently learning to swim so i feel like i can use this use this <laughs> as motivation for him when his legs are are sinking in the pool <laughs> <laughs> that'll be good thank god for wetsuits right so did you find oh my gosh. was there a different approach that you used then i'm you know very obviously I, as long as i'm learning right now so did you like have to change you know whether that's mantras or you know technique you were using um yeah compared to before no yeah no so i'm just i'm i'm trying to work on you know you know power and some rotation as much as possible but part of the problem so where i'm injured at is that my chest level um and swimming a lot of it is is being able to you know make yourself point and be able to rotate so i don't have i can't use my abs so i I, it's hard for me or i'm unable to to rotate and be able to get a full stroke out um so that that creates its own challenges also not to mention you know my legs that that want to sink so you know i've um folks at roca were 
were fortunate enough to send me a pair of, you know, wetsuits and, and their training, training shorts that helps a little bit, you know, or helps a lot with, uh, with flotation and helping get my body streamlined, but, um, it's, it's still a challenge and, um, it's just about, just like anything, right. It's, it's about rep- repetitions and being able to just get in and work on it and practice and get stronger and, you know, feel more comfortable. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so, I mean, when you, when you talk to other athletes who are struggling with injury or in the middle of rehabilitation or, you know, anything like that, what's some of your best advice for anyone in that kind of situation or coming back from an accident or a crash or something? Yeah, well, I think it's kind of like we talked about earlier when, you know, we join tri clubs or, or running clubs is that, you know what, we're not the first and you're not going to be the last to go through, you know, any issues. Um, so reach out, ask questions. I mean, you know, you know, I got help from other people that were in the, you know, para, para triathlete community that helped me, you know, you know, get my first hand cycle and here's how you get fitted for it. And here's some, you know, kind of training advice or racing advice and same thing with the race chair or swimming. And, you know, you're not the first, you're not the last. So feel free to ask and, and, and it's okay. And, you know, people, people want to help and people want our sports to grow and people want to, people to love our sport and to get addicted and get hooked on it. Because, you know, even with, you know, like the Challenge Athletes Foundation, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of athletes that have been there before me. So people have been so supportive and so helpful in yeah. getting me ready for, you know, racing and what I want to be doing. But, you know, when people get a, get a hand cycle or a prosthetic leg or whatever it may be, I mean, you want people to enjoy it. You want people to have that same feeling you know, that I felt when I did my first marathon or when you guys, you know, did your first event that got you hooked. Um, you know, you want people to love, you know, being active, enjoying the lifestyle. And I think that's what it's all about is we're all in this together. It's all a big community, you know, both, you know, for endurance wise and, and, you know, for the pair athletes and things like that. I mean, so it's just, you know, you, you want everybody to be successful and succeed in life. So, and that's, that's a good way to do it. That's awesome. You you might be the most positive athlete I've talked to, which is yeah. <laughs> just fantastic. So, which makes me have to ask, have you ever had a moment where you were just so frustrated with, I mean, I mean even before you had the injury where you just wanted to walk away? Not not that I not that I wanted to walk away. Well, I got to be honest. I wanted to after my first New York marathon, I wanted to walk away and never do it again. Totally. Um, after, I, after I crossed the finish line because it was just like one of those things where it was like so painful and hard and like difficult to do. And I was just like, I literally wanted to walk away and never do it again. But no, I mean, fortunately I, I haven't, I just, I've, I've always loved it. And, you know, was it from when I got my first hundred dollar bike from Craigslist and did my first triathlon? Um, I knew from that moment that this is what I love and I enjoy it. And this is going to kind of stick. And, you know, I've, I've fortunately, I've, I've obviously, I've been disappointed. There, you know, two events come come to mind in particular. There was one year in 2012 where I did Ironman New York, and everybody, all the Ironman triathletes, want to qualify for Kona, mm-hmm. right, for the World Championships, and I missed it by one spot. I missed it by a minute and a half. Oh. And, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking at my times, and I could have done. You know, so when you're doing a nine hour and fifty minute race, to miss qualifying by a minute and a half it's a little frustrating mm-hmm. so you know I was a little I was quite frustrated with that it didn't make me want to walk away it just kind of fueled the fire for me to train harder and better and, and come back and, and be even better to where I that was not you know any any doubt there um, you know so that was that was one of my more 
um, disappointing, but one of the times where I was I was a little little frustrated, but I used that to make me a better athlete and, uh, you know, go from there. Yeah. And I mean, that must have been such a huge help for you kind of having that background when you were in rehab, the ability to be like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna take this challenge as a new challenge and figure out how to go forward. And no, you're right. I mean, and, for, you know, for how whatever reason it is, however, I was able to do it, I just said, you know what, well, it, it is what literally it is what it is. And, you know, let's, let's pick ourselves up and, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and, and move on. And, you know, so it was a little bit of that kind of training mentality. And, and knowing that, you don't get where you want to be overnight. It takes time. It's a grind. It's a process, and no, no different than, you know, my first marathon. You know, when I did 402, all the way to, you know, my last PR marathon where I did 257. You know, I understood that. I understood the process, and that's no different than what I'm doing right now. You know, I'm a little almost two years post accident. Um, it's a process. I mean, and there's still things that I do, you know, every month that I couldn't do the month before. I couldn't do the month before that. So you know, we'll keep the trajectory going. And, you know, with that and with, you know, enhancements, you know, in, in the medical community, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that, um, you know, there might be a cure one day. So yeah, crossed. yeah, absolutely. We'll cross fingers for sure. Um, and then so with with long term goals, have you started thinking about stuff like, you know, Paralympics or any bigger competitions? Or are you sort of still in the building phase? I mean, I'm on the building phase, but I think you always have to kind of think longer term. Um, and I'm not sure there's anything bigger than the Paralympics, but, um, you know, knowing those every four years, and this is actually the first year that um, triathlon and paratriathlon para um, is in the in the Rio Games. Right. So that's pretty exciting for the Paralympics. Um, you know, triathlon made its appearance in, in London in 2012. So very excited to watch that. And so I actually have um, now some, some friends that are, going to be representing the U.S. in the Paralympic community, which is um, pretty cool and, um, you know, really excited to kind of see them. So I don't know if that that's, you know, where, you know, where I'll be, but, um, you know, I'm going to continue on doing, you know, marathons and triathlons and Ironman races and kind of getting back to, to that and, you know, kind of seeing where it'll go. I mean, like I said, I, I you know, I've only been doing this a little over a, a year now, I guess, on the hand cycle and I've mm-hmm. been, been able to you know, luckily, you know, do pretty well. And, you know, I've seen, you know, my times, you know, improve dramatically. So, you know, I have a lot of goals out there, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see where where that might take me. Awesome. All right. So I think, you know, my last question, and we've kind of touched on it, but looking back, you know, the accident, I mean, it seems like you were really a positive person before and very competitive and very driven. But looking back after the accident, did that change how you approached I mean, life in general and racing and athletics and what being an athlete means? No, I mean, I think it was it was always the same. And, you know, and people kind of tell me, you know, I guess quite the opposite as opposed to, you know, oh, you know, you need to kind of pick up and, and move on and do some things versus you might want to slow down and, you know, kind of take it all <laughs> in and kind of see what your body's able to do. So, you know, no, I mean, I've always been, you know, I always do things at like 110% and that's how I've approached life and, you know, life's short. I mean, you know, you know heck, time, time flies by and it'll pass us by. We just got to make the most of it. So, um, you know, as an athlete, para-athlete, you know, whatever it may be, but, uh, you know, no, I mean, I've always just, you know, I've been, been very goal oriented all my life. Um, and, you know, like to set up, set goals and meet them, exceed them. And if you don't, then kind of figure out why and figure out how you can overcome it the next time. But, you know, no, fortunately for me, 
always been uh, kind of, you know, one and the same, you know. So it's, uh, I think it's a good thing, a good, good problem to have. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we hope you are as inspired by Glenn as we were. Uh, to get more info on all of the show notes, head over to consummateathlete.com and please leave us a review in iTunes if you've been enjoying the podcast. And as always, if you have any recommendations, comments, questions for us, uh, you can tweet at me at Molly J. Herford or Peter at Peter Glassford. Thanks, and we will see you next time.